Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadiens Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? Back once again for an episode of the Canadiens Connection Podcast. We've put last week behind us and all of our technical difficulties and uh, hopefully like the Montreal Canadiens after the 2017-18 season, we're ready for a bounce back show here with uh, with minimal interruption or uh, difficulty uh, with respect to uh, the, uh, the technical aspect of the show. So you know what this is. This is episode 33 of the Canadiens Connection podcast. Do I even need to say what now? What player this episode is dedicated? To? It's going to be Patrick Waugh, of course. My God, it's Patrick Waugh. It's the Canadians Connection podcast. It's the Patrick Waugh episode, and I'm joined, as always, by the Patrick Waugh to my Steve Penny, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? Uh, I'm doing really well. You know something? Just just a a nugget of information. You mentioned that we did have a little bit of technical difficulties that we plowed yeah. through last last week. But do, do you know that? Um, it was uh, our highest subscribed show of uh, the 2019's uh, calendar year. Um, oh, man. We, we had all kinds of people coming out of the woodwork to uh, listen to uh, us uh, uh, manage, juggle our, our technical difficulties. <laughs> so we must have done all right. And uh, for those of the, you that uh, are uh, back with us again, thanks. And, and yeah. uh, we're glad that you're either joining us live at one o'clock uh, Eastern, two thirty uh, Newfoundland time, or you're listening to us uh, on demand. Uh, Patrick Waugh to uh, Steve Penny. Um, I'm going to toss another thirty-three yeah. who was a goaltender into the mix, and that's Richard Sevigny. Um, and uh, I, I just we, we used to do um, um, uh, we used to get together. Um, All Habs uh, Hockey Magazine used to arrange. Um, uh, hockey parties where we get together people from Twitter and Facebook and we'd get together at a, a local Montreal pub. And um, we used to have t- trivia nights. And, and um, one of the trivia questions was about Richard Sevigny. Cause oh, really? he's the only, he's one of the few people that I know of who actually had their uh, name engraved on the Stanley cup before playing in an NHL game, playing a game for the Canadians, um, which which sounds odd. Um, yeah. It was in the it was in the '79 uh, Stanley Cup uh, final. Uh, Ken Dryden, of course, in goal. Bunny Larock yeah. was the backup uh, in the pregame warm warm up. Bunny Larock was injured, um, and so Sevigny had to dress. Habs went on to win the the Stanley Cup, and Sevigny. Uh, got his name engraved on the cup, having not played an NHL game, uh, which is, yeah, it, it was great. And, and I mean, he's, he's just a colorful guy anyway. I mean, not, yeah. not the best of goaltenders, but after, um, after Ken Dryden retired after that year and, and they, uh, Sevigny went on to be part of the, um, there was Bunny LaRock, there was Denny Heron, um, and um, uh, Sevigny was still playing 
in 84, um, in the spring of 84, the, uh, the, the Good Friday Massacre, uh, <laughs> the Canadians and Nordique and Sevigny fought in that and got a, 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 a game ejection. He fought um, Nordique goaltender Clinton Malarchuk. So um, we all know about Patrick Waugh, but uh, I just thought I'd throw in some... Uh, uh, interesting uh, trivia about uh, yeah. another 33, that being Richard Sevigny. Getting your name engraved on a Stanley Cup is a little bit better than a participation ribbon, so I'm sure Sevigny was quite happy with that, even though he had not uh, exactly uh, played a game for the Canadians. But uh, anyways, a team is a team, and the uh, backup goaltender, whether he plays or not, is a part of the team. So, uh, yes, I'm sure he's, he's quite happy to have been included in that. Um, you mentioned... Ken Dryden. We do have some May the 4th links with, uh, we, you know, we always start the show with our comparison and, and, and the player that, you know, matching the episode number with the, with the jersey number. But you do have some May 4th trivia with respect to the Montreal Canadiens. Well, our Star Wars folks will, will be making yeah. up their own connection. <laughs> um, but on, uh, yeah, I, I did mention uh, um, the, the the 79 version of Ken Dryden, but there was also the uh, the 71 version of uh, Ken Dryden. And on the 4th of May, uh, 1971, Ken Dryden, Ken Dryden made 56 saves in a game. Um, it was uh, game one of the Stanley Cup final against the Chicago Blackhawks. 56 saves for uh, Ken Dryden, but he would not get the win that that night. Uh, the Canadians lost 2-1 in overtime to uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, that's Game 1 Stanley Cup Final on May 4th, 1971, with Ken Dryden making 56 saves. You could have told me that this happened in, in 2015, changed the names, changed the, sh- the scenario, and, and I would have believed you that that was Carey Price that had actually done that. So uh, yep, Ken yep. Dryden obviously put a, doing his best Carey Price before Carey Price was even around. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ken Dryden obviously a, a legend, and and that that seems like a, a very uh, Carey Price night for uh, for a guy that that won quite a lot and had a great team in front of him in the process. Um, so, so today, today, yeah. today we got a big show and. Um, uh, we're getting all kinds of reaction already to our question of the week. And, and I'm just going to toss out the, the question of the week so that um, people can be thinking about it. Um, and in the second segment, we're going to talk about prospects, the Canadians prospects. Um, and we'll, our question of the week is who are the Canadians top five prospects? Uh, and, Assuming that uh, Ryan Paling and Nick Suzuki find their way on your list, uh, do you expect to see one or the other? Do you expect to see uh, Paling and or Suzuki in the Habs lineup next season? Um, If you want to answer that, if you want to contribute to the show, um, find us on social media and uh, whether it's uh, the All Habs fan page on Facebook, whether it's on Twitter um, or uh, you can, um, you're welcome to call into the show. We're live right now at 213-943-3754. That's the studio number, 213-943-3754. If you happen to be listening on um, uh, by demand uh, during the week, text us, 24-hour text line, 
Our Rocket Sports Radio text line is 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. You can text us anytime and answer our question that we'll be getting to. Uh, We'll have our answers uh, to that question in the second segment. And obviously, this is a an ideal time to have this conversation and a time where a lot of people are uh, are playing that game and formulating their opinions on Nick Suzuki because if we dive into some Habs-related news for this week, we talked the past two weeks about Nick Suzuki's performances in the OHL playoffs for the Guelph Storm, and he scored a highlight reel goal that got all of hockey Twitter talking, uh, and and also, also he was uh, he received the William Hanley Trophy for the third time, the third consecutive year that is awarded to the most sportsmanlike player in the OHL. So, a really uh, another great week for Nick Suzuki. My goodness, he's got 32 points in 19 playoff games, uh, and he might come up a little bit later on, as you mentioned in the uh, question of the week. <laughs> and uh, just uh, Nick Suzuki. Um will be taking to the ice at uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. I think, uh, I think the game starts, Guelph Storm at Ottawa 67s. Uh, the 67s won the first game. They lead the, the series one uh, nothing. Uh, but uh, Nick Suzuki will be uh, uh, playing a big part with the Guelph Storm, as he did in the, first, in, in, uh, the previous season uh, series uh, against the Saginaw Spirit. Um, so watch for that too. And as you said, um, I expect his name will be coming up in the second. Yeah, segment. It, it, it just might. And uh, also of note, and, and this might be, I said, he's got 32 points in 19 playoff games. So you might've been able to surmise that he has points in all, but two of Guelph's playoff games. So he has been leading the charge offensively and uh, yeah, he might, he might just come up a little bit later on in, in our list and uh Obviously, we've, he's, a, he's a featured part of the question of the week as well. So uh, Nick Suzuki is going to be a name that you hear quite a lot in the, <laughs> on this podcast, I would, I would guess. Um, so I guess we'll move on to some other Habs-related news of this week. And we found out, uh, you know, Jonathan Drouin kind of addressed this at his end-of-season availability when all the players were talking at the end of the season and said that, you know, you might – find out something about why he wasn't going to be going to play for team Canada. And we eventually did find out this past week that he had surgery for a fractured nose, uh, which um, that, that was something I think that most people, they may have imagined that he was playing with some sort of an injury down the stretch, uh, but we weren't exactly sure where. So uh, what did you make of this? Well, it's it's um, it's not a new injury. It's something that happened no. uh, two years ago uh, against the Islanders, uh, shot by uh, Thomas Hickey, and and he's been playing with it for for all that time. Uh, seems to be a, um, a minor uh, or or uh, an injury that that caused him um, uh, maybe some minor uh, discomfort. Um, I'm I'm just astonished with the um, the outpouring. Um, uh, from the pre- mostly the French media who who seemed ab- to seem absolutely desperate to uh, find a way to explain his uh, his lack of effort um, and and I think it's fair to say that that uh, you know more often than not and particularly the last uh, for February March and April we we saw very little effort out of Jonathan Drouin 
and and uh, many um, in in particular, uh, Rene Lavoie went uh, went way out on a limb, uh, saying that uh, yes, he he imagines that it had a big impact on on Jonathan Drouin's game, um, and that that this this uh, getting this situation uh, taken care of will have a big impact on his future and expect to see him um, become one of these uh, elite goal scorers. Uh, so uh, l- listen, if that happens, uh, great. Um, you know, last year the excuse was he was at center. This year um, um, he had a fractured nose. Uh, okay, um, let's let's hope there's there's no excuses and we see whatever this, this real Jonathan Drouin is uh, uh, next yeah. season. Yeah, and and you don't, you know, have a player going to get surgery of any kind. You you wish them the best coming out of that. Uh, for Jonathan Drouin, it might be a little bit of a different situation. Obviously, we wish him the best in his, uh, in, you know, in, in getting back and in his recovery and, and training and whatnot for the summer. But this is something that if you get this taken care of, then as you say, it's no longer uh, something that can be used as an excuse for. Uh, lackluster performances from uh, important parts of the season. So yeah, obviously wish him the best. Hope he gets, you know, he, uh, he comes back a little bit stronger next season and, and is able to be a contributor for the Montreal Canadiens because he should be a contributor for the Montreal Canadiens. He's certainly skilled enough to do that, but the question is always going to be, will he do that? And uh, will he put in the effort necessary? So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, some other news about another Montreal Canadian who many people have, have, uh, been talking about or had been talking about his injury history was Carey Price. And, uh, we saw someone come out, uh, this past week and, and kind of give their reasoning for why they might have, uh, given Carey Price a, uh, a nomination for the Vesna Trophy. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Paul Campbell, who's a bit of a goalie guru and and uh, um, uh, well respected um, uh, analyst of, of goaltending, um, uh, the, of course the the Vesna uh, nominees came out. The the, the finalists for the, the Vesna: Ben Bishop, Robin Leonard, uh, and Andrei Vasilevsky. Um, they. Um, you know, they, they, each of those players had um, uh, good numbers, uh, uh, very good numbers as far as, as uh, uh, save percentage and, and, uh, and, and goals against. Um, but um, I, I think that, that uh, what Paul Campbell was trying to say is there's, there's a different, and, and it's the general managers who, uh, who vote on this award. Um, there's there's a bit of a different criteria that has been used this season um, than other seasons, and um, normally um, workload plays into it uh, because obviously um, being able to sustain a certain level of performance uh, for 40 games is very very different uh, than being able to sustain it much further to 60 or or more than 60 games. Um, and he talked about uh, last year's finalists all around the 60-game mark, uh, Pekka Rene, Connor Hellebuck, and again, Vasilevsky. They were all, uh, all um, either around or, or above the 60-game um, played mark. 
Um, however, this year, um, it's, it's different. Uh, it's a little different. And he's questioning why, um, why, you know, why would you, um, why would general managers uh, do that? And, and maybe there's a more of a, a move to, um, um, uh, split the goaltending duties or, or reduce the, the number of games on the starter. Um, yeah. But talks about why should um, Bishop and Leonard, Vasilevsky, fine, um, but why should Bishop and Leonard be part of the Vezina nominees when they only played 46 games? Um, and again, he's arguing that it's much easier to sustain your performance at a high level when you played far fewer games uh, than the others. Um, yeah. And he goes on to talk about Carey Price. And as we know, Carey Price, one of the most used goaltenders uh, in the NHL, um, you know, as far as minutes and, and games played. Um, and again, he talks about um, using more advanced analytics. Uh, we know that, that uh, you know, the plus minus is not the best way of, of uh analyzing a player's performance. Um, so in the same way he's asking is, is uh, goals against and save percentage um, uh, for a small number of games, a smaller number of games, uh, the best way of, of um, analyzing uh, a goalie's performance. Uh, and we talked about several episodes ago, uh, we had, uh, I, I went on and on uh, about Steve Valakat, who I think is one of the best uh, goalie analysts out there and has done, done some really interesting things with his, his uh, company, ClearSight Analytics, and, and, uh, and how you evaluate goaltenders. And when you look at um, their, uh, their way of, of analyzing goaltenders and the, the goals saved um, above average, um, Carey Price is, comes out at the top of those lists and especially uh, being able to sustain that over, you know, a, a really heavy workload. He's yeah. arguing that Carey Price should have been at the top of the list as far as the Vesna um, nominees. And, and, um, and I, I would have to say that uh, I completely, I, I completely agree with him. Yeah. And, and Carey Price, he has garnered the rep- the uh, the recognition of his peers uh, with the NHL player poll that that came out uh, a couple was it a couple months ago now and said that that he was the best goaltender in the NHL and he certainly got a body of work that suggests that he is that but when you look at this season in particular and look at I I really like the story of Robin Leonard he had a great season but. Thomas Grice played a lot of games too. And I know that Wenner played better than he did. And that is why he got the majority, he got the games in the playoffs and, and Ben Bishop has been great in the playoffs as well, but you're looking at a year long, a season long stretch of games played. And if you're looking at goaltending, I mean, the Montreal Canadians from the time that Shea Weber returned, because before that the team defensively was in, in utter shambles when Carey Price actually got something that resembles an NHL blue line, his numbers skyrocketed. And even before that, he wasn't playing poorly by any stretch. So you look at this entire season and, and you know, I, I can't fathom, even if you are using goals against and save percentage instead of advanced analytics, 
when you look at the games that he played relative to the games that Leonard and, and Bishop played, I think that he at least earns a nomination because Montreal is not where they are without Carey Price. Um, so I think that that is a, a very valid argument and, uh, and one that I think, uh, I think Montreal Canadiens fans might agree with as well. And I'll just um, read the, uh, yeah. the conclusion here from Paul Campbell, the, the last, uh, the, the last couple paragraphs, um, he says, in the end, Carey Price's ability to sustain an elite level of performance above expectation over a far larger number of games in one of the most difficult environments in the league vaults him to the top of, of my list when it comes to uh, Vesna nominees. While there was very little grumbling by Montreal media and fans when Price didn't receive a Vesna finalist nod this season, Price's performance quietly justified the players who voted him the top goaltender in the league and put to rest fears that his best years were behind him. Remember, there was two polls that came out during the season that uh, where players voted, and they had Price at the top of, of uh, yeah. as the best goaltender in the league. And, he, and um, uh, Campbell finishes by saying, Price is the top-paid goaltender in the NHL, and despite many complaints to the contrary, he earned his money this season. So um, we just thought we would pass that uh, news on to you. Absolutely. Um, so I guess we'll move on and we've got some news about a pair of maxes. Is that max? I mm-hmm. plural. I don't know. Um, so, uh, we have Max Pacioretty, the former captain of the Montreal Canadiens who just concluded his first season with the, uh, Vegas golden Knights knocked out by the San Jose sharks in seven games. And he had some comments that, uh, ruffled some feathers, I guess you would say about, uh, <laughs> about Vegas and, and whether he liked playing in Vegas. Is, is that what the gist of it was? You know, I, the poor guy can't win. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I, his, his, I thought his comments were, were fairly um, innocent and, and, and they were after uh, the golden Knights had been eliminated uh, yeah. by, uh, by San Jose and uh, patch ready is quoted as saying, being in Vegas has exceeded all my expectations. We have everything here. The best fans, the best ownership, best coaching, players in the room, weather, city, building. It's a, really a privilege not only to play in the NHL, to, but to play in Vegas. Okay, uh, what's wrong with that? Yeah. And then he was asked to compare um, his time in Montreal with Vegas. And he went on to say... I don't mean to say that my time in Montreal wasn't good, but there was a lot of adversity, especially when things were not going well. I always had to find answers and criticisms were often directed at me. These challenges, however, made me a better player, a better teammate and a better person. I enjoyed my time in Montreal, but I'm so happy to be in Las Vegas. So, I mean, uh, Mark Bergevin uh, trashed uh, Max Pacioretty. Um, you know, both in the in the, the hallways uh, of the Bell Center that were overheard heard by a number of people saying, I'm going to trade your ass out of here. Um, and and then after Max left, uh, he went on a, you know, a rant uh, about Max Pacioretty. And, and it's not new. Um, uh, Bergevin seems to uh, get into these contests with Pacioretty and and Radulov and Markov and 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 leaves people with, uh, with bad feelings. And I thought Pacioretty was a bit statesmanlike in the way he answered those questions. But since then, 
we've had one analyst after another going out of their way to, um, you know, it, it was Michelle Bergeron that, that went, went off saying, stop talking, stop telling us how good it is in Vegas. Stop it. Um, well, we, we know you're happy in Vegas. Stop talking about it. Well, I mean, that's just silly. If, if you're that, you know, defensive or, or it, it, it speaks to a bit of defensiveness. Um, yeah. About, uh, because nothing he said was, was, um, I don't know, was offensive or inflammatory at all. I, I thought it was quite tame to, to be honest. And, and yet, uh, uh, this story seems to have more legs than it, than it should have. It should have yeah. ended a long time ago. I mean, there's nothing that the media should take out of that and be insulted. I mean, if anything, I mean, okay, like if we're going to look at that and dissect those comments, you could maybe make a case for fans that he might be shortchanging the environment at the Bell Center. But Vegas has been a great environment since, I mean, they they were in the – Stanley Cup final last year and everyone was talking about how great their environment was. It was even great in these playoffs as well. So there's, there's a, a sample size that suggests that, you know, or at least there's uh, evidence to suggest that it is a great fan base and they do, uh, you know, support their team very well. So, uh, you know, for the, but for the media to be saying anything about that, I, I just don't understand that. Um, so will we move on to the other Max? <laughs> a form, sure. Also a former captain under the uh, Montreal Canadiens in the Montreal Canadiens organization, Max Freeberg, Absolutely. former captain of the St. John's Ice Caps. He was a, he's been playing with Rolanda via SHL, and they won the uh, SHL title. Max Freeberg picking up two goals and two assists in the championship game. Um, a guy that that I got to watch. I had the pleasure of watching. And uh, and you and Amy uh, Johnson of the HR Report also had the pleasure of watching. And uh, and not in his time with the Ice Caps was he overly renowned for his offensive production. But man, could that guy kill a penalty! So it's uh, it's great to hear that he's having success over there and putting up some points as well. Yeah, he um, uh, led the uh, the league in in playoff goals. Um, he, as you said, um, he uh, you know led his team. Uh, with two goals to the deciding game um, against your garden um, and, uh, and happy for him. There was no, no better um, uh, man, uh, no. captain, leader. Uh, he was an excellent um, uh, leader of the St. John's ice caps. He was also always very generous with his time um, with us um his he comes from a wonderful family spent some time with his mom and dad and and uh they they've just done a wonderful job with him and this is um for Lunda earlier in the season um in february uh won the um the champions league tournament um and then uh then in their in their playoffs now won the uh, the SHL title won the SHL gold uh and um and what a great and that team included the captain of that that team is Joel uh Lundquist, who's twin uh-huh. brother of uh Henrik um yeah so there are some connections there but but uh Max is is uh uh, really happy for him uh, that he's he's doing so well there, and and we mention him too because um, he is still 
Canadians' uh, property. The Canadians uh, hold his NHL rights until uh, June 30th, 2020. So for another year yet, uh, he's still property of the Montreal Canadiens. And so uh, um, a little little older to be considered a a prospect. Uh, But yes, we're talking about (laughs) prospects uh, today. Uh, We thought it was... uh, it was noteworthy to to mention his name. Absolutely, and and yeah, uh, congratulations uh, to him. He's uh, he was a great captain, um, that's for sure. Um, so, with with mentioning the playoffs of another league, yeah, <laughs> will we talk a little bit about the NHL playoffs and just kind of update how those have progressed? Well, the Carolina Hurricanes, Rick Stevens. Uh, was on that bandwagon very early on this season <laughs> and uh, they have proved him right. They uh, swept the New York Islanders who had swept the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round. And uh, they were fairly easily dispatched by the, uh, by the Carolina hurricanes. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's one series of the second round that has come to a close and uh, and Rick, do you have any thoughts on on that series, uh, the uh, and and the play of the Carolina Hurricanes? Well, I I, I um, you know maybe paid a little bit more closer attention to uh, the Hurricanes this season than I have in the past, and that was partly because um, of uh, being impressed by uh, the the Charlotte Checkers um, at the end of last season in the playoffs, and and. Um, I remember running into um, Rick Dudley, who had just left the the um, uh, Canadians and uh, was uh, appointed to um, the, the Carolina Hurricanes organization. Met him <laughs> for a playoff game last spring, uh, and he had been on the job two days. and He said, uh, uh, "He said, how do you like what I've done with the team?" referring to the checkers and he's 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 got a dry wit he's he's a great person as i've said before and uh regular listeners are getting tired of hearing me praise him but one of the smartest men i know in in hockey um i'm happy for him he's done an amazing job behind the scenes um with uh with carolina um and uh, Rod Brindamore, of course, um, has done, he's not only one of those emotional, motivational coaches, but he also does the X's and O's stuff uh, pretty well as, uh, too. Uh, Justin Williams, who's uh, been a great leader. Um, yeah. Tavo Taravainen, who I remember seeing in Lake Placid on a line with Arturi Lekkonen. Uh, and was very impressed. And, and I know that uh, Tavo Taravainen was a favorite of Trevor Timmons. He always spoke highly about uh, Tara Vinen and, and uh, would have liked to have drafted him in the Galchenyuk year. Um, a Curtis McElhaney uh, jump, yeah. you know, being a, a waiver pickup and, and having to jump in when Mrazek went out with a lower body injury. Uh, Sebastian Aho, Aho and, and uh, Andre Svechnikov, young players contributing I, I just this this is an exciting team and and I'm uh, yeah. enjoying watching, uh, you know, uh, how how they're playing and and the success they're having uh, in this year's uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. And and not to dislocate my shoulder, pat myself on the back, but I did have them getting to the <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals. Don't ask me about the rest of my bracket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in other in other news, we have the Boston Bruins and the Columbus Blue Jackets tied at two. 
But that series kind of took a, a back seat for some antics in a game where you saw Brad Marchand that kind of that was the center of attention uh, in that series. The Brad Marchand and Scott Harrington interaction where you had uh, Marchand punch <laughs> in a very Brad Marchand fashion, punch Scott Harrington, like kind of like a little jab more than like a full-fledged punch, but still a punch to the back of the head, which isn't uh, a good move. Um, and that led to a funny interaction that I saw on Twitter uh, between Arpan Basu of uh, The Athletic and former Canadian and guy that Brad Marchand does not like very much, Tomasz Plakanich. And uh, Basu said, I find it strange that the focus of the sneaky Marchand punch is the punch itself and not how incredibly stupid and selfish it was of a supposed team leader to do that with one minute left in a playoff game. The Bruins trailed by one goal. Then there's Tomasz Plakanich who chimes in and says, I have seen this kind of punch before. <laughs> and Basu replies, but you have never made people want to punch you. And he says, no, never. <laughs> so uh, Thomas Plakanich, by the way, a sneaky good Twitter follow. Whenever he, do, he doesn't tweet very often, but when he does, it's, it's good for a laugh. Uh, so there was a Canadian's connection tie-in that we thought that we'd bring in. Uh, but yeah, that series is tied 2-2. Two two. And out west, you're looking at Dallas with a 3-2 lead uh, over St. Louis. And Saint, San Jose in Colorado tied up at 2 um, I'll, I'll just mention, so, yeah. let me just add a piece of news here. And, and um, we're going to see, uh, you know, coaching and, and GM movement uh, later on. But w- there was uh, a promotion in that um, uh, Vegas Golden Knights promoted yeah. uh, Kelly McCrimmon from assistant general manager to general manager, uh, George McPhee, uh, having done a, a great job uh, putting together that Vegas um team remains as president of hockey operations. It's significant to the Canadians in that Kelly McCrimmon. Now his name is, he's withdrawn his name from um, uh, the GM search in Edmonton. Um, And in that search is uh, Canadian scout, Sean Burke, uh, who is still one of the names uh, being, uh, being discussed as potential um, GM of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, so there's we're entering that part of the of the uh, the year now where you have to uh, wonder whether or not you know, the Montreal Canadiens front office uh, there's going to be movement around the NHL as you said so that's going to be the uh, the focus I guess for the next couple of months. Uh, so shall we take a quick break and come back with the rankings of our top five Canadians prospects? Excited to talk about prospects and make sure that you answer our question of the day. Um, who are your top five um, prospects? We'll be back uh, in a minute to, to, to share ours. Uh, and I'm wondering if, if we're going to have much disagreement here, Joe. I mean, typically we don't, but maybe, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day. So right after this, we're going to come back with our top five Canadians prospect. I've made a list. Rick's made a list. So we'll see what, uh, what we have to say about Canadians prospects. And as Rick mentioned in the question of the day, we're going to ask you uh, your opinion on the Canadian top five prospect and whether or not you think Ryan Paling and Nick Suzuki will be with the big club next season. So that is all after this break. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, 
a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We're going to talk about the top, what we who we believe are the top five Canadians prospects. We've both got lists of guys. Um, but Rick, before we get there, you wanted to bring up some other prospects. Well, just to uh, p- put this into uh, context, I guess um, we're talking about the in this segment the the Canadians uh, top prospects. But where do those prospects fit in overall in the in the league? And uh, the Hockey News just put out uh, a couple weeks ago its Future Watch issue, um, their top 100 prospects in the league. Um, the Canadians have uh, Nick Suzuki. Have, just just to we'll 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 spoil things here. Nick Suzuki as uh, the Canadians. Uh, top prospect by as rated by the uh, hockey news at number 22 um, in the, in the top three positions, again, just to put this into context, we have Kale McCarr um, who yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, what can you say about him? He uh, came out of the, uh, the frozen four regionals and stepped onto the ice and has been a sensation for Colorado He's uh, listed as the the number one overall prospect. Just behind him, Quinn Hughes uh, with uh, Vancouver, and and we saw him make an impact at the very end of the season. Um, again, leaving Michigan and and uh, NCAA hockey and and stepping into the lineup of the Canucks. And number three, we were just talking about Vegas, um, Cody Glass. Um, yeah. Uh, WHAL um, with with Portland, and um, and I I think it's you know a lot of people mention uh, Suzuki Nick Suzuki, um, uh, but it's remarkable that 
that uh, George McPhee was able to uh, add to his, uh, you know, upgrade his team, add Stastny, add Pacioretty, add Stone. Um, yeah. And yes, gave up Suzuki, but he did not give up the the uh, organization's top prospect, that being Cody Glass. Cody Glass ranked uh, number three overall uh, by the Hockey News. But now, yeah. without further ado, we want to get, we're excited to talk about prospects. We want to get to yeah. uh, our lists, and uh, then we'll hear f- uh, from you about your lists um, and uh, talk about the Canadians' uh, top prospects. Yeah, so I guess we'll uh, we'll get this thing underway, and uh, I'll start with my number five, and uh, it's Caden Primo. And when you look at the Montreal Canadiens, I think we can all agree that goaltending, organizational, is the biggest strength of the Montreal Canadiens. So that might contribute a little bit into why that I have him in the number five position. Um, it, it is not <laughs> obviously. I, I think when you look at the Montreal Canadiens and where they are right now with their prospects, this is probably as good a position they've been in in, in many years. So top, being top five, you know, is is actually it means something <laughs> uh, more than it really has in, in a lot of years uh, before uh, a lot of previous years. So Caden uh, Primo putting up back to back seasons with a save percentage over nine thirty which any way you slice it is impressive. And the fact that, I mean, he's going to, uh, we saw him at the World Juniors, and and I believe you saw him a little bit uh, with the the NCAA. Um, I'm not not 100% on how that tournament's format all plays out, as I'm not familiar with anything really with the NCAA. But you saw him at some levels of that tournament. And, you know, he's just an impressive goaltender. He seems like, you know, for a seventh round pick, he has got, uh, he's got, he's a blue chip prospect. He is a diamond in the rough. And I think that when you look at the Montreal Canadiens, while goaltending may be a pro, a, a big strength for the Canadians, he might make them make decisions sooner than we might expect. It's not going to be anything earth shattering. Um, but I think that Caden Primo has uh, something about him that could make him a very successful goaltender in the future. Yeah. Caden Primo um, on my list, he appears uh, as the number four uh, Habs prospect Um, on uh, the hockey news's list. He's number 60 of the top 100 Mm. Um, had a, had a great season with Northeastern. um, And uh, as you said, put up impressive numbers. Um, especially as you said, for uh, in 2017, a seventh round, uh, 199th overall pick, and the Canadians actually uh, didn't have a seventh round pick. They had to go and get that yeah. pick from the Philadelphia Flyers uh, because they wanted uh, they wanted him. Um, yeah, we um, we had a chance to talk to um, uh, Marco Marciano um, in uh, Laval, and uh, Marco had uh, several workouts with with uh, Caden Primo. As uh, once his his college season was over, came and and uh, and did some training with uh, the Laval Rocket. Um, had one full practice with the team, um, and and I guess what I can say uh, is what I've noticed is first and foremost. He's very competitive. He's a, he's, you know, he comes from that, that uh, NHL lineage, uh, Keith Primo yeah. is his dad. <laughs> um, and so first and foremost, he's, he's competitive. 
I, I think he's a, a positional goaltender. Um, he seems to be, you know, he can put himself in good position, let the puck hit him, does a good job limiting rebounds, gets out uh, to challenge shooters, uh, seems to be able to read the play very well, uh, good pad work, um, really, and, and, and a really good mental game, really good composure. Um, uh, things that, that have been flagged, um, obviously picked in the seventh round, there's, there's going to be some things to work on and his puck yeah. tracking ability, uh, his glove hand, uh, have been, uh, have been flagged. Um, I think, I think what we, we need to, to remind, uh, fans is to be patient, uh, yeah. because, um, this is going to be a long process. Uh, he needs three or four years before he's ready. Yes. Three or four years before he's ready for, uh, if ever a, a, a role in the NHL. Um, and, uh, so, so be patient and remember, let's, let's, let's take this opportunity to remind ourselves, uh, Michael McNiven, um, uh, he's still in a prospect. He's still in Laval. Uh, some people have kind of, uh, are a little off, uh, but, but he has yet to, uh, have an opportunity to have the net as the number one goaltender in the AHL. And he should be able to to have that opportunity this coming season. And remember that, that Michael McNiven was the OHL and CHL goaltender of the year in 2017. Um, So he's, he's, uh, uh, you know, highly thought of as well. And, and it just takes time. It takes a lot of time. So let's not, let's not rush uh, this goaltender. Let's not force expectations. Uh, but uh, for me, uh, top four, uh, he's my four, uh, number four, and for you, number five. Yeah. All right. So the next guy on my list, Josh Brook, who he had a remarkable season for Moose Jaw. 75 points for a defenseman. He was a plus 24 in four playoff games. He picked up three points. And, and obviously, uh, he, he joined the Laval Rocket. Uh, at the end of, of this past season. And I think that when you look at that, I mean, we, we talked about goaltending as being an organizational strength. The right side of the defense is a strength for the Canadians right now. And obviously we're waiting to see what comes of, of Noah Juleson. We know that he had that, uh, that unfortunate facial injury that took him out of action, but he is expected to make a recovery. Um, and we'll see how that all plays out. But Josh Brook, I mean, when you look at a potential guy, I mean, you know that you are entering parts of the careers of Jeff Petrie and Shea Weber where, you know, they're not at the end of the line by any stretch, but they could be getting close. They're getting closer to that than they, you know, than they were the uh, the beginning of that. So, you know, you, you kind of have to be of, of two minds. Well, yes, you have two great right shot defensemen, but the Montreal Canadiens have a luxury in that they have a lot of guys on that right side that could potentially, you know, make a, make, make a jump or, or, you know, at least make it easier to transition for the Montreal Canadians uh, in, in the years to come. And this isn't anything that's going to be happening in the short term. Like you said, the patience is key here, but for the Montreal Canadians, if you can transition from a right side of the defense that had, that has Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie to one that features Josh Brook, then I think that you're going to be in pretty, uh, pretty good hands with with Josh Brook, and, and he's just shown 
to be a very reliable player. Uh, in Moose Jaw, you know, wore the wore the C in Moose Jaw. He's a guy that is just uh, just a reliable player. That that's I think that's the best thing that you could probably say about him. And at the World Juniors, I mean, I think that that team had its had its problems. Uh, you know, kind of jelly. You know, that's a short tournament to really judge anything on. But when he was there, I think that and I think uh, as well, he's playing a little bit of the left side. So you get a short glimpse at a guy, but I think he made enough of a statement at that tournament that he was a good defenseman, that he brought all of the necessary elements for, for a guy uh, playing that right side and even shifting over to the left as well. So I think that Josh Brook, when you look at the Montreal Canadiens, he's a guy that can jump up and, and potentially in a few years, as you said, patience is key, be a guy that you transition, you know, you give the, give the reins to him, and he might be able to to take some of the responsibilities that we've seen uh, put on the shoulders of Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie. And this isn't happening tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not saying that this is going to be, you know, uh, happening very soon. But it's it's good to have a guy like that, especially on the right side, which historically has been a luxury. Uh, Josh Brook is on my list as number four. So we've as number five. Sorry, yours number four. Yeah. Uh, we've just kind of flip flopped <laughs> there. Um, as you said, had a, had a great season, uh, in, in Moose Jaw. Um, he was a second round pick by the Canadians in 2017, number 56 overall. Um, we, we saw him in, in Laval. He played seven games at the end of the season for the rocket, uh, had got an assist, got his first pro point. Um, for those who haven't seen him, um, he's, he's an offensive defense defenseman. He is aggressive. He's always yeah. looking to be part of the offense in some way. He's looking to create scoring opportunities. Very creative. He's very confident. Um, I think uh, I, I saw a, a quote from Eric Ingalls uh, who said uh, he skates like the wind. No, he, he doesn't. He do, he do, and, and with all due respect to, to Eric, he doesn't see him that often. So, um, um, I, Josh Brook, skating is not his his forte. I would say he's an average skater, has average mobility. I think yeah. because he skates with so much energy, enthusiasm, and and jumps into the play so often, um, his skating is 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 uh, perhaps complemented uh, more than it it should be. It's something that that I think, uh, and he admits that it's something he needs to work on. Um, but he is he is he is a very aggressive player, um, and it, he has been known to play risky. and And we talked yeah. to him about that at the end of the season, um, and he said, "Yeah, he's kind of learning some lessons that things, <laughs> risky plays that he could make in in junior, he's not able to make in in the AHL. And his play in the in in the with the Rocket was was inconsistent." Um, yeah. He he is he is sometimes overly aggressive uh, on offense and overly in- aggressive on defense. To you find him, um, his gaps are a little bit bit too tight. So uh, uh, clever forwards can take advantage of that and uh, and get around him. And then um, uh, Brooks' uh, uh, recovery speed is a little bit uh, questionable. Um, I think he needs to learn uh, to be a little bit more patient and play with a more structured game than, than he is yeah. right now. And, and, and he'll learn that. 
Um, one thing that, that he has going for him, incredibly strong uh, work ethic. Um, he, he wants to work hard. He wants to be successful. So I, I'm, I have no doubt that he'll improve. Um, he needs the two things he needs to improve on, as I mentioned, is skating and his strength. Uh, Cause yeah. he has, he has trouble against uh, uh, the stronger forwards. And he mentioned that too, that, that uh, the forwards in the AHL are, are stronger than he's used to. Uh, now I've yeah. mentioned a couple of times what he's mentioned. He mentioned to us, um, many of these prospects, we, uh, all Abs Hockey Magazine, we've, we've interviewed exclusively, and that's in, in uh, conjunction with our other Rocket Sports partner, uh, the AHL Report, and uh, Amy Johnson over there. Um, if you want to see exclusive interviews of prospects, uh, go to YouTube and search for All Habs. Go to YouTube and switch for, uh, search for All Habs, and you'll see all kinds of exclusive interviews with prospects, including uh, Josh Brook. Um, in the interview, uh, one of the interviews that we had with him, he says, uh, uh, he likes to be considered a two-way defenseman and he doesn't look, uh, he's not out there looking too hard for offense. I think that's, uh, he's being a bit <laughs> modest. He definitely yeah. is out there looking for offense. Um, now again, patience is a key. I, I, I don't see him, um, you know, um, being a permanent member of the Montreal Canadiens uh, for a year. Uh, he needs a full year in the AHL to, uh, yeah. to work some of this stuff out and, um, and, uh, and to feel comfortable about his game. Uh, so, so give it a year, and, and, then, uh, and then we'll see what happens in, in uh, training camp with a possible uh, spot for him uh, in the 2020-2021 season. Yeah, and my next uh, prospect, the number three prospect that I have in my rankings is Ryan Paling, who, uh, yeah, like, I mean, he didn't really do much, uh, you know, he kind of just scored three goals in his NHL debut, (laughs) ho-hum, but I think when you look at Ryan Paling, all jokes aside, I mean, those three goals, yes, impressive, Um, just a great debut, and I think that he has got a frame and, and also uh, he's already got, I mean, he's already got muscle that I think that most would, uh, most would probably envy. So he's in a really good position right now. And I think that next season uh, to answer maybe the question of the week or the question of the day for me, I think next season you do see Ryan Paling um, in the NHL. And I think that he is the guy when you look at, okay, if you spare cut Kaniemi, is going to be the number one centerman of the Montreal Canadiens at some point down the line. Then Ryan Paling is that jack-of-all-trades, middle-six centerman, you know, uh, that you need to, to be a competitive team that we've seen time and time again. You need those two keys, uh, that those centermen down the middle of the ice. And maybe he's not a second-line centerman. Maybe that's not his best role. Maybe it'd be a, a third-line guy that can contribute offensively maybe looking back at a, at a 2000 uh, the 2009 Pittsburgh Penguins maybe that kind of Jordan Stahl type maybe that's not exactly a, a great comparison of, of their styles but maybe that is kind of the role that he would fall into if you look at the Montreal Canadiens depth chart but that is an important role nonetheless and, the, and one that the Pittsburgh Penguins it took them a while to replace that and get a guy that they could continue to have success with and I think that that is a guy, Ryan Paling, 
who has got the potential to be that jack of all trades guy that maybe he kills penalties. Maybe he's on the power play. Maybe, you know, he's all of these things and you need a guy like that, um, especially down the middle of the ice. And they have guys like that for on the wing, but they don't really have those guys down the middle. And I think that that is a huge development for the Montreal Canadiens. If he can ultimately become a reliable two way uh, centerman that, that, can contribute to a winning team. I have uh, Ryan Paling as um, my my one, uh, my number mm. one on my list, and <laughs> and for me it came down to a one A one B situation. Yeah. Um, for the the Hockey News, they have them have him as the number twenty eight ranked prospect in hockey. Um, of course, he was a first round pick in in twenty. 20- 15th overall um he he's he's considered a two-way forward um and and the kind of guy who plays a a very straight line game um you know he's he's going to go right at you um i think his his best characteristics uh is that he's extremely smart uh, yeah. He's got a, he's got great hockey sense, um, uh, really strong work ethic, um, and um, he's he's gotten much stronger uh, over the past year. Really strong lower body, he's good over his skates. He's really good at at protecting the puck, um, and it also helps him um, uh, forcing turnovers. And that happens whether he's forechecking or backchecking really good at creating um, uh, turnovers. His, his strong lower body helps him when he battles along the, uh, the wall. Um, really good second effort kind of guy. Um, and uh, he's a, a player who um, I think the Canadians need because he's not afraid to go to the net. Um, no. he, on the power play, he's, 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 uh, that's where he wants to be, in front of the net, creating a screen, deflecting a puck. Uh, but he's got a pretty good shot, particularly his wrist shot. Um, what he doesn't have is, is, uh, super high end skill. Uh, but, um, you know, all these other things kind of outshine that. And we saw that in his, his one rather dramatic game at the end of the season against the Leafs, um, where, uh, we saw he's, he's kind of a, uh, I like his temp- temperament too. He's very uh, grounded, a wonderful family, um, uh, hockey playing brothers. Um, and in that game against the Leafs, the uh, Canadians were doing nothing until Ryan Paling stepped forward and led his team and sparked the Habs, um, uh, which, which seems kind of odd. I, I mean, and it wasn't, it, it was it, the, the, the three goals and the shootout goal and all of that were, were amazing, but it was that he took the team and, and gave them a spark. He, um, he did that by, by scoring, but also a big hit on Frederick Gauthier. And, and yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I think you're right that um, I can see him if Claude Julian can kind of <laughs> change his, his leopard spots a bit, I can see him uh, as uh, being in the Canadians lineup uh, this fall uh, for the 2019, 20 season, um, he, he can play that fourth line role spelled by, uh, Thompson, Nate Thompson at times. Uh, but he's the kind of guy and, and, 
you know, when we're talking about other players, uh, they may not be able to, to enter the Canadians in the fourth line, uh, in a fourth line assignment. But I see Paling can and work yeah. his way uh, and learn and, and move his way up. Um, I, um, I'm, I'm very impressed with this young man and, and, uh, and was even before his, uh, his one game stint with the Canadians and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, seeing, seeing that he's going to be a, a solid member of the Canadians for, uh, for years to come. And a remarkable tournament at the world juniors as well. Um, winning, winning the, uh, the MVP for that tournament. So there's uh, certainly a lot of uh, feathers in his cap. <laughs> And um, and to putting into uh, putting him being put into a bigger role when uh, Jack Hughes had uh, some injury issues for Team USA, yeah. Ryan Paling took on a bigger part of that load and and looked great. He did. Um, so I guess we will move on to my number two prospect, which is a guy that we've already mentioned, Nick Suzuki. And I think when you look at Nick Suzuki. He is, in my opinion, the most promising offensive prospect that the Montreal Canadiens have had in a long time. Um, I think that, you know, you go back and you look at maybe 2012, maybe Alex Galchenyuk was that. But, I mean, even then, it's, it's, it's debatable whether or not that was so much related to his offensive production as it was the fact that he had the frame and maybe the the skill set to be a number one centerman. Whereas I just think that Nick Suzuki has got a is a guy that will just put up points, and we've seen that in the OHL playoffs. We've seen that with 32 points in 19 playoff games, a highlight reel goal uh, that he scored this past you know over the uh, last weekend. And you know he is just, I think he just exudes a level of confidence offensively that. I, we haven't seen a whole lot of in Montreal. I think that maybe Max Domi is the only guy that we've, you know, he had 71 points. And I think before that, I mean, when was the last time anybody on the Montreal Canadiens had over 70 points? It just, it feels like this is something that the Montreal Canadiens have needed in addition to a centerman that can, that can play a, you know, a top six role and maybe even a first line role. They haven't had, a guy that could be a running mate either. So they've just kind of been playing without really either one of them. Max Pacioretty is a guy that could put up goals and was a legitimate sniper. But I think Nick Suzuki is a bit of a tweener. He's got a, you know, his, his peers in the OHL will tell you that he's got a great shot, but he's just a creative offensive player. And that is something that I think the Montreal Canadiens really could use and, and desperately need. I'm not entirely sold on him playing next season, for the Montreal Canadiens to answer the other half of the question of the week. However, I think that that day is going to be uh, coming up fairly soon. I think that he could probably use a year in the, o- in the AHL. Excuse me. There are concerns that we brought up with Yasperi Kotkaniemi that, that it's a tough place to put guys of, of a high end and, and, and high skill. Um, but I think that he's a guy that could use a little bit of that before he gets into the NHL. Um, but I think that when you look at Nick Suzuki, you can't help but be optimistic. You can't help but be impressed. And uh, and certainly for a guy that has put up points in all but two playoff games, he looks like he could be a clutch performer as well. I have Nick Suzuki as my 1B 
um, with, mm. with Ryan Paling. Um, um, as I said earlier, uh, ranked uh, number 22 uh, the, in the top 100 by the Hockey News. Um, he's a center, although most scouts I've talked to see him uh, transitioning to the wing in, in yeah. the NHL. Um, started out with Owen Sound, was was traded, uh, and and has been on uh, an incredible uh, playoff run uh, that we talked about with the Guelph Storm. Has been dynamic in the playoffs. Um, he was uh, a first round draft choice by by Vegas in uh, 2017. Agree with everything you said. Highly skilled, uh, excellent skater, great hands, uh, strong shot. He's he's very very creative. Uh, and smart, and um, he likes to shoot, but he's a, an effective passer. And I think that that kind of uh, variety is is what makes him so effective. Yeah. Um, he's he rarely takes a penalty, and as you said, uh, um, uh, third year in a row uh, he's received the the award for uh, most sportsmanlike player. Um, I guess. Uh, you know, if, if all of those things are so wonderful, why don't I see him? And I don't see him in the NHL, uh, in the fall. Um, I, I see him taking a year and, and spending it in, in Laval. Um, he, he doesn't have a, a he, he doesn't engage physically, uh, virtually at all. Um, yeah. his forecheck is kind of weak, uh, back check too. I, and it's a strength issue. Um, and he's been known to disappear for uh, certainly not in the playoffs, but during the regular season to disappear for games. Uh, I th- I think that uh, a, a year in the AHL, uh, you know, an off season of building his strength and a year in the the uh, AHL learning to play against stronger players uh, will be a, a really big help for him. And then I see him as uh, uh, being in the Canadians lineup in the 2020 2021 uh, season. Yeah, and I mean, if if Mark Bergevin is looking for character, then uh, three years in a row winning the uh, most sportsmanlike player, then that's certainly, he's got character in spades, but there might be some things, I mean, before he's in the NHL that he might need to polish, and that's what the AHL is ultimately for. Um, So, that leaves my number one selection, which is Alexander Romanov, and I was aware before this started, that Nick Suzuki is probably overwhelmingly, and I mean Ryan Paling as well, were overwhelmingly going to be what most people would select as their top prospect, and justifiably so. That those are that's that's a great choice. But when you're looking at the Montreal Canadiens uh, right now, I think, and this is part of why I've gone in this direction, I think that Alexander Romanov might be the most important prospect for the Montreal Canadiens. And it's emer- he's emerged as a, as a potential A because when we were at the draft last year, this was an off-the-board pick that no one really saw coming. And at the World Junior Championships, put up eight points. Playing against men in the KHL this year as a teenager, four points isn't going to jump off the board. But that is a hard thing to do. <laughs> and he was a plus 16 as well. So I think that Alexander Romanov, We've talked at length about how the Montreal Canadiens' left side of the defense is the probably the biggest weakness for their team. Uh, and, and that is not only the Montreal Canadiens. That's organizationally. They do not have, beyond Alexander Romanov, they don't really have anybody on that left side that looks like they are. I mean, Victor Matza obviously playing on the Montreal Canadiens. 
maybe he could be a, a, a top four guy, but that seems to be where he would peak. Alexander Romanov, I think, has emerged as a guy that is capable, that may be capable, and that's the part of this that is a lot of uh, – there might be some more guesswork involved than there would be for any other prospect, but I think that he's got a, a pretty high ceiling. Of what I've seen of him, I, I've been incredibly impressed, and that hasn't been too much. We've got a bigger sample size of, of games that have been played in, you know, for North American skaters. Alexander Romanov isn't someone that I've seen too much of, but the word and uh, the times that I have seen him, like at the World Juniors, I've been – impressed each and every time that I've seen him and I think that that should be something that the Montreal Canadiens value especially when you consider the left side of the defense has been just it hasn't been good enough quite frankly and I think that I wanted to incorporate that into my top five ranking so maybe he doesn't have the same amount of potential as Nick Suzuki maybe he doesn't have the skill of Nick Suzuki Maybe he's not as polished as maybe a Josh Brook, but I think that he is the most important prospect for the Montreal Canadiens. On my list, uh, I also have Alexander Romanoff. Uh, I have him as my number three in the top five Habs picks uh, prospects. Um, he was, as you said, picked in the 2018 uh, draft. We were there. Um, <laughs> round two, number 38. Um for for me, he's uh, he's a bit undersized, um, yeah. but even though he's undersized, he's uh, I would use the word tenacious uh, all over yeah. the ice. Uh, very good two way defenseman. Um, he certainly loves to shoot the puck, um, and and he's got a very heavy shot. Uh, what what I think fools goaltenders is uh, he doesn't go to that full wind up. He's got kind of a short wind up and 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 still uh, you know produces a a heavy slap shot and that kind of fools uh, goaltenders. Um, he's not the most creative player, um, but he makes simple, effective plays. Yeah. Um, we've seen that, that he's not afraid of engaging uh, larger forwards and he, he can um, use his uh, undersized frame very effectively against him. He's a very accurate passer Um I, I, I'm, I'm impressed with him and, and good on Trevor Timmons for, um, you know, identifying this, this player as one that, uh, uh, that he wanted and taking him, uh, higher in the, in the draft than, uh, than most others would, uh, would dare to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, we learned from Mark Bergevin that he's going to be in the KHL one more year. So I think we see him in the NHL in the 20. 21 season. Um, And so I have uh, Alexander Romanoff as my number three, just to recap, I have Josh Brook as five, Caden Primo as four, Alexander Romanoff as three, Nick Suzuki as two or one B Ryan Paling as one a, I think we have the same five players. Uh, (laughs) Joe's just flipped them around a bit and he has Alexander Romanoff as his number one. Uh, Who are your top five Canadians? prospects and uh make sure you you um uh, send us a message on twitter on facebook or uh if you're listening to us on demand text us at our rocket sports radio uh, uh, text line and that is 585 rocket 585 
three rocket and we're going to have um we're going to uh, highlight a few of of uh your responses uh in just a second here yeah we'll come back we'll read some responses that we've gotten for the question of the day and we will be right back after this quick break the canadians connection is proud to be a partner of rocket sports media digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Back here on the Canadians Connection podcast, myself and Rick, uh, we just ranked the uh, our top five prospects. We asked you, we floated out the question, uh, who are the Canadians' top five prospects, and do you expect to see Paling or Suzuki in the Habs lineup next season? And uh, boy, oh boy, <laughs> have people ever responded? I think the uh, the hot button one would be uh, the uh, Paling and Suzuki question, and that has been. Uh, answered uh, thoroughly on Twitter. Uh, we have Blaine Podban of the uh, Habs Unfiltered podcast. If neither can crack the top nine, I don't expect them to stay with the Habs. These young players need to gain experience, and playing eight to ten minutes on a fourth line without PK or power play time won't be helpful, which I think is a, is a valid, uh, and, and we explained as well in our reasoning for the top five prospects, maybe Nick Suzuki would be uh, best to go down in particular. Um and we have Chris G at uh, Chris Habs 360. I see Paling start in Montreal for a couple of games before being sent to Laval. Suzuki will start in Laval. I see them both getting called up at some point during the season. Uh, so, yeah, and I mean, uh, you have this uh, back and forth where people want to hand the reins over to the youngsters. And, uh, and we have Matt Germain saying that both Suzuki and Paling seem ready. They both thrive in the NHL, in my opinion. 
just as Kotkaniemi has. Have spent too many years taking forever, handing the reins to talented guys. It's time to let the talent take over more quickly. So that seems to be the uh, the general consensus on uh, on Twitter. What is Facebook saying? On Facebook, uh, we want to hear from you on Facebook, by the way. Uh, look for All Habs, All Habs, all one word, uh, on Facebook, and you can join the conversation uh, to our, with our, uh, the rest of our, our large community of, of Canadians fans discussing Canadians' issues. Uh, Corey Lawson says, of course, that is, uh, will, will uh, uh, Suzuki and um, Paling play in the NHL next year? Of course. The only way to pl- uh, learn to play in the NHL is to play in the NHL. Um, Charles Gadula says, no, not yet. They need to grow in the AHL. Uh, no need to rush anyone. Um, Rodney Barrett said, uh, I don't see them in the NHL, uh, but if the kids have, th- uh, have their mind and sight set on it, then it could happen. Uh, Graham Hoke says, I think the, Bergerman experiment should end. Hire a GM and a coach based on performance, not linguistics. He's just going to waste this young talent. And Harley Davidson says uh, they're, not going to, they're not going to be up with this coach. Uh, so, uh, as usual, some comments on Bergerman and uh, Claude Julien and uh, just a sneak peek as we look forward to our uh, upcoming podcast. We're going to have... Uh, uh, some big topic issues on uh, both coaching staff and uh, and the general manager. Uh, those will be up in in future issues, uh, yeah. uh, future episodes of the Canadians Connection. And and uh, it's it's a relevant point to make with uh, all this young talent. Something that the Montreal Canadiens haven't had a whole lot of. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle uh, that. Them being uh, the Mark uh, Mark Bergevin and Claude Julian, if if they are able to handle this youth movement that will be coming through. Um, so I guess we'll uh, wrap this thing up. This has been a, a great episode. We, we talked about some Habs news. We ranked our top five prospects. We heard from our lovely audience. So uh, it seems just about uh, that time to wrap this one up. Well, and we just want to thank you. We really want to thank you for joining us each and every week. We're a live podcast every Saturday afternoon at one o'clock. Um, also, we want to thank you for, for visiting uh, allhabs.net. Um, we're getting uh, record uh, uh, readerships and, and, and uh, certainly to the podcast uh, listeners. Um, and I think that's because, uh, you know, at Rocket Sports, Rocket Sports Media, uh, there's no off season for us. Uh, we're happy to connect with you. We're happy to engage with you. We're happy to provide you content, whether it's excellent articles on All Habsnet or uh, this podcast and, and others uh, via Rocket Sports Radio. Yeah, and uh, and we just, uh, as well as you can find this podcast and the other ones under the Rocket Sports umbrella, the, uh, the From the Press Box podcast with Amy Johnson and yourself, Rick Stevens, you got the Have a Listen podcast and the Have Unfiltered podcast, which can be found on all your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Google Play Music, so you can find all of these uh, with uh, just searching for Rocket Sports Radio and hitting the subscribe button, you get a four for one deal right there. You just uh, you hit the subscribe button, you get all four. So uh, great podcast, and, and obviously as Rick said, some great content uh, content that's being churned out uh, every every day. So uh, some great things coming out at uh, allhabs.net. 
so yeah, that'll do it for uh, for this week. Anything you'd like to say before we we take off, Rick? Well, just glad to to uh, trade lists with you, and and we'll be doing yeah. more of that uh, as we go on. And uh, make sure to uh, to subscribe to all of our podcasts, and, and also uh, share it with your uh, your social media uh, uh, friends uh, and uh, and and fellow Habs fans, uh, because we'll be around all all summer long, and and. Ha- um, on allhabs.net, happy to provide you with uh, loads and loads of news and content. Yeah, and you can follow this this uh, podcast has its own Twitter account, Instagram account. You can follow at Habs Connection. You can follow me at Joela19. You can follow Rick Manning at All Habs account. And uh, yeah, so we'll be back with you this time next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 2:30 Newfoundland time. We'll be back with you discussing all things Montreal Canadiens, NHL playoffs, what have you, whatever is going to be coming up. We're going to be talking about it next week. So thank you for tuning in to the Canadiens Connection. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.